Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor, Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. And all hell, Thugger and Nico, warriors and brave and true, sitting in their mead hall in the golden roof with their mead and pork. Wait, that was going to come out wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was obscure. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly more so than what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You must know Vogler and Nico are two of our gaming characters that are brothers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the twins. See, <laughs> we didn't just make this up on the spur. Of, well, okay, we make a lot of stuff up on the spur of the moment, but <laughs> uh, that was not one of them. <laughs> uh, so, before we get started, are, are you having a drink? I I am. Ooh, hot dog! Because I, I know your meds are. Oh, I'm off the meds. Yeah, done. Yeah, they took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she took me off the meds, so I'm just right now. I'm just monitoring. <laughs> Um, yes, yes, I, I am having a, uh, I, and I don't think you've tried this one yet. We've talked about it. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Oh, nice. I still not have a chance to look for it. Yeah, it's a beer with coffee and natural coffee flavors. It's good. I mean, you know, because it's Guinness. <laughs> Do you like it? It's good. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, that's what I'm having. And I know what you're having, but Do you? the listeners. Are you sure? I, well, I have an idea. I know what it's related to. <laughs> okay. So I'm having Eric the Blood Axe Braggot. Uh-huh. Lane. So it's uh, that because of Indiana laws, it's a Braggot Imperial IPA because um, you mead laws and licenses and beer and it's all different. And you have to, I, I was lucky enough to have one brewer explain it to me. Most of them don't want to talk about it because it's <laughs> pain in the ass. Yeah. It's a nice 11% braggot, though. And braggot, if you remember our mead episode a year and a half ago. (laughs) Uh, Or more. Yeah. It's a a mead with with beer grains. So it's an IPA-based braggot mead thing. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I have last year's poured in here, and then I've got this year's batch to follow it up because I'm curious to see how it aged. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And if... You're lucky when you come up, I'll still, I think they may already be sold out of this year's, but I, it, I still have, well, this will be the first one from the six pack. So I'll make sure you get one. Oh, sweet. Looking it forward is. to that. Then Funny. That's, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Mead is appropriate for this episode. <laughs> is it? I actually wish I had some. <laughs> mead in the mead hall. Yes. So what are we talking about today? Um, I, it's, I, it's some, some story. I don't know. I first, uh, I had, had to read it in senior English in high school. It was, it was required. Which is amazing to me because they actually required something that's awesome for a change. <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, and so did our friend Greg. Uh, the rest of the class didn't get it. <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 and just for the record, I don't, I don't know how many probably not any of our uh, former classmates that we went to high school with um, listen to the show, but I, I must say that that was not my favorite English teacher in high school. Is it the one that starts with the B? Yes. Yep. Not mine either. Yeah. 
Although I will have to admit that the fact that we, and, and I mean, you know, when I say it was required reading, it was in the literature book we had that year. I mean, it wasn't something that she said, go out and read this. It was, <laughs> it was in the state issued book that we had. <laughs> I was going to ask because we did not read it. And I had the same teacher for senior English and we, it was in there, but didn't really, read. you didn't, you guys didn't read it. I Interesting. read it. Well, but... yeah, well, of course you did, but <laughs> as a class, you didn't. Right. Right. Yeah. That's interesting because we had to, and and honestly, I I'm I'm thinking it was in its poetic form. You know, we 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 got to the, we finished reading it, and she asked the question of, well, and now why would he want to do this thing at the end? And I'm like, I I just kind of looked around. I was like, is anybody anybody else gonna answer? No 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 nobody nobody understands why he would do this thing at the end. <laughs> he wants to have a warrior's death. <laughs> Honestly, not the easiest thing to read or to, to follow the first time you read it, especially when, the, you know, the translation I read. But, um, yeah, it was uh, not that difficult to figure out why he wanted to do that. Um, in case you haven't figured out from the <laughs> title of this episode online, we are talking about Beowulf. Yes, Beowulf. Be Beowulf. Beowulf, yes. Mm, Beowulf, it's such a good... I yeah it's awesome it is the second half of my senior year of high school english reading beowulf to my very first semester of college reading beowulf <laughs> <laughs> for an english class and um i i still have that book that was one of the reasons i kept that book was, be was because it had beowulf in it and our our uh, professor read the first stanza in old english just so we would know how it sounded. It was really cool. Probably could attempt it if I had my copy of Seamus Haney's translation. <laughs> it's it's in storage. And, uh, yeah. So, um, so I read it a couple of times, you know, like right in that time. You know, again, like I said, trying to, not always the easiest thing to follow, but great story. It is. And, and I think it depends on who does the translation because I've read the, the one in high school. I did read it in college, although I didn't take a course. I just, I found, found a translation. Didn't care for either of them. So, so we're going to talk about three specific today. Uh, mm -hmm. One that I've read recently, and I know Jody's read that one, but it may have been a, a while, it sounds yeah. like. Uh, one that Jody's read and I have not, but then we both read Tolkien recently? Or just um, recently, and it's been a while for you on that too. It's been a while for me on the Tolkien and the Seamus Haney. Okay, so... But but find one if you if you want to read Beowulf, look around. There are multiple translations, and yeah, I'll, I'll and, talk about my favorite soon. But look and find one that has a flow for you, and you'll I, it'll be a good. It, you'll like it then. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I will say, one of the translations I'm going to talk about, which is the most recent one I've read, which is very recent. Um, I, I just you know I, I read it like a month ago or something. Um, is a very easy read. But I'll, I'll talk about that when, when we get to that. So cool. Yeah. I, I know Jody wanted to, you wanted to do something right at the beginning to kind of start this off. Oh, do you, do you want to, do you want to do those now? Oh, I thought you wanted to. We don't have to. Yeah. Let's, let's do those now. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, in fact, we were just talking about different translations and how they sound a little yeah. bit different and what you want to do. Uh, well, we'll do the three translations we've talked about. 
-hmm. uh, the, the first 10 lines or so? Yeah, yeah, the first 10 lines. You know, I'll do one and then you do that one and then I'll do the third one. No, I'll just, I'll, I'll go ahead and go, then I, then I can okay. be done. <laughs> okay, okay. Another thing I learned in high school and college classes, if you're the first one to volunteer, you're nervous, but then you're done. <laughs> That's true. That is true. All right. So uh, this is Seamus Haney's, uh, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll let Jody give the other two authors when he does his, so you'll know the three specific ones we're talking about. But yeah, Seamus Haney, of course, is a rather famous Irish poet and an author, and you know, he's, he's wonderful. Yes. Uh, I actually got a book of his poetry coming soon. I just ordered recently. Oh, cool. So the spear Danes in days gone by and the Kings who ruled them had courage and greatness. We have heard of those princes, heroic campaigns. There was shield chiefs and scourge of many tribes, a record of mead benches rampaging among foes. This terror of the whole troops had come far. A foundling to start with, he would flourish later on as his powers waxed and his worth had proved. In the end, each clan on the outlying coasts beyond the whale road had to yield to him and began to pay tribute. That was one good king. Yeah. <laughs> In old English, Hofronhrad Ryan Skodja, Gomben Gilden, Port was good, kinning. That does yes. Lines. I'm not going to do all of it because I don't even, I actually do know a bit of pronunciation in Old English, and I'm going to say I was eh, two-thirds right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but some of those weird, you know, the... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm going okay. to drink my mead. Okay. Well, um, so I was going to read, one of, the, one of the two that I was going to read is uh, Professor Tolkien's. The um, Professor! Yeah, the professor, um, which he did back in 1926, but it was not released commercially, at least until, um, uh, da, 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 when did they release this? 2014. I knew it was recent-ish. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, so yeah, first, well, he can, uh, I'm not sure when he started it, but he completed it in 1926. So, but his, his translation was different. Um, and I don't think he was the only one who's done this, but it's the only one I read like this. Um, instead of doing a poetic translation, he does it in prose, but he still managed to keep some of the, well, he, he managed, I think, to keep some of the poetic meter and some of the rhyming, um, and definitely the alliteration, because really you can't do this without doing alliteration. <laughs> But yeah, here's, here's the, the same thing, only this is the way that uh, Professor Tolkien translated it. Lo, the glory of the kings of the people of the Spear Danes in days of old we have heard tell, how those princes did deeds of valor. Oft shield sheffing robbed the hosts of foemen, many peoples, of the seats where they drank their mead, laid fear upon men. He who first was found forlorn, comfort, for that he lived to know, mighty grew under heaven, throve in honor, until all that dwelt nigh about, over the sea where the whale rides, must hearken to him and yield him tribute. A good king was he. Yeah. All right. King so, was he versus that was one good king. See? Yes. Yeah. And, and you notice the first word in yours was so, and in Tolkien's was low. And I, I don't remember what the word is in old english but uh, oh, quiet h-w-a-e-t yeah 
Yeah. I've, I've got to know here about that. <laughs> okay. So it, it basically, that's just a, you know, that's, it's, it's an exclamation. It's like, hark, you know, listen, um, Hey, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. It, my little note on it says, uh, so Tolkien translates low and Haney uses so as a cultural affectation being more similar in what it would mean to the listener. Yeah. And then I kind of said points to JRR for philology, fucking philologist. Yes. And, and to Haney, because that would be more of the common man sort of, cause you know, common people would be more like, so, Hey, did you hear this? Whereas the, the more hoity toity, yeah. aristocracies, the aristocracy <laughs> would say, lo, hearken my good man. <laughs> exactly. And which brings us to this translation that I've most recently read. This is by Maria Devana Headley. And that's Headley. Yeah. <laughs> and she, um, she, she did a poetic translation, but she tried to make the language more contemporary so instead of so or low or hark or you know whatever bro tell me we still know how to speak of kings in the old days everyone knew what men were brave bold glory bound only stories now but i'll sound the spiritane song hoarded for hungry times their first father was a foundling shield chefing he spent his youth fists up, browbeating every barstool brother, bonfiring his enemies. That man began in the waves, a baby in a basket, but he bootstrapped his way into a kingdom, trading loneliness for luxury. Whether they thought needing necessary or no, everyone from head to tail of the whale road bent down. There's a king, there's his crown. That was a good king. Wow, that's... Yeah, that's very different and modern and, and poetic. Yeah, I I love this translation. <laughs> that's, so uh, my my ex, uh, my daughter's mother, my ex uh, wanted to borrow Seamus Haney. So I, I loaned it to her, which is why I don't have it in front of, of me. But she wanted to kind of read it because she wanted to compare. And I asked her when I loaned her the Seamus, uh, when she and my daughter stopped by to pick up a few things, mm -hmm. uh, which is the one she's comparing to. And it's this one. Um, she couldn't remember the author's name, but she said it's the female author who just had published it recently. So, yeah. and she said she liked it. I I love it. I um I, I won't. I, I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite. You know, I don't know if you want to move on to favorite translations yet, but <laughs> in, in a second. I mean, I'll I'll, okay. I'll give my my ex some credit yeah. on I, so many things as to why we're not together without uh, yeah those. I respect her uh, literary abilities. Yeah. Although she got mad at me one time because she recommended a book to me and I kind of blew it off. And then a few months later, we're in the bookstore. I'm like, hey, here's this book Jody recommended called How the Scots Invented the Modern World. She goes, that's the one I recommended. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I sorry. Sorry to cause some marital strife there. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that, was, that was the only reason we divorced. Thanks, Jody. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Huh. See, said without sarcasm. <laughs> uh, so, um, well, let's see. So we're going to maybe talk about favorite verse. Can, can I give some little... Some yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. All right. Uh, so uh, Seamus Haney, mm -hmm. um, in, in his introduction, he, he kind of talks about a few things. And one of the things that is mentioned in his book is there are three archetypical sites of fear, the barricaded nighthouse, mm 
mm-hmm. infested underwater currents and the reptile hunted rocks of the wilderness <laughs> and Beowulf hits them all. And, and I almost agree, but you also need a barrow. Yeah. A cemetery or something. But anyway, Jody had mentioned alliteration and Seamus Haney discusses the importance of alliteration in Anglo-Saxon poetry and names, mm-hmm. which helped him work out his translation. But one of the things I really dig about his, he said it was hopeful or uh, helpful to stop thinking of languages as antagonistic. And uh, what he said was he regretted the lack of Irish language in Northern Ireland, especially since he was a nationalist and a, a Catholic. But he, he said he realized that Irish and English don't have to be an either or, nor mm-hmm. do you have to do Celtic versus Saxon. Uh, he didn't, right. Once he kind of merged them a little bit, it said it helped him with the Anglo-Saxon and English and Irish combinations for his own work of translating. Mm-hmm. And he uses some Irish words in his, his translations. Also helped with not only meanings of words, but providing the appropriate pitch and meter in sort of a musical aspect of the poem. Okay, cool. Which is, is which is why we're going to go, and then I've probably got more things, but this leads into my favorite. Mm-hmm. Out of all of them, I, I like Haney's better because I like the lyrical, musical, poetic aspect of his versus Tolkien's. I mean, yeah. You, you, want a, you want a better background in translating Anglo-Saxon? Yeah, definitely go with John Ronald. But if, if you want a lyric, somebody who understands poetry and lyrical content, mm-hmm. go, go with Haney. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know, he, he was a poet. I mean, and, and I, I do believe he has passed away since that was published. I, I Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's yeah, passed away. Because I, I remember, because I, I, I was thinking, I remembered seeing that thinking, oh, damn. <laughs> That's, I didn't. I didn't know he was that old. <laughs> yeah. He. Uh, oh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's. Uh, ah. Where'd that go? Come back. <laughs> so <laughs> my. So, so I, I like Haney's better, but I would say if you want a saga, mm-hmm. read Tolkien's. Yeah. Tolkien, if, if you want flow, read Haney, mm-hmm. and and Seamus has some more interesting. They both do it, so it's not that Tolkien does not, but Seamus has some more interesting word combinations in his like word hoard and, and more alliteration, but they're both, yeah, they're both awesome. The, the three translations that we've talked about here, Haney's Tolkien's and, and Headley's, um, I, I, I like them all for different reasons. And it's, it's been a while since I've read, it's, it's been a, you know, a good while since I've read Haney's, but I, I would, I would agree with what you're saying on that, that it is definitely, very lyrical and and i think that makes it a, a fun read yes a little little quicker too for for me a little quicker for me because i like that if yeah you like the more saga driven and less lyrical mm-hmm. yeah Go yeah and and that's you know what i mean that was I, I i that was one of the things i like about tolkien's translation is it's, it's prose which can be a little easier to read than poetry sometimes yeah, can be. I mean, can be for everybody and definitely can be for certain people, like yeah. depending on how you like to read things. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to say the first several lines you read of, I'm sorry, what was the other author's name? Uh, name? Maria Davana Headley. Okay, good, Maria. Headley, I can remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so Headley, when you read that, I found that to be very lyrical and poetic and almost reminded me of Hamilton, how the Hamilton musical. Mm-hmm took something from the 17 late 1700s but gave it a more modern musical 
aspect to it and that's <laughs> bro yeah listen to this shit <laughs> yeah and that's that was that was her approach to it was she she pictured the narrator being the guy sitting at the end of the bar telling a story cool did she actually translate it also or did she yes use the translation okay she cool. she actually translated it um i okay so there's another book of hers that we're going to talk about near the end of this episode she wrote that other book first and she was giving a presentation on the book and I, at a university or something, or, or maybe just at a, I don't know, symposium or whatever. And several people in the audience went, that was really cool. We can't wait to reach, read, read your translation of the actual poem. And she went, I'm not doing a translation <laughs> because she didn't, she didn't think she could do it. And then somebody came along and they said, I not only think you can do it, I think you would do a great one. So she started working on it. And it took her a while, but um, her, her son was born while she was working on it. And she dedicates the book to him, who she names uh, Grimoire. <laughs> nice. And I, I do follow her on Twitter, and she just calls him Grim for short. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, oh, that is, that's cool. <laughs> well, she had a kid, and it took a while. Haney talks about it took him forever because he kind of got discouraged and stopped for a bit. Then he picked it back up and Tolkien yeah. was never happy with his translation and had to keep going. Yeah. It's, it's a tough thing. So, well, because I mean, there, there are parts, there are a few parts of the text that are missing because it was damaged, you know, over time and it, there was a fire, and, you know, so there's some words missing. So you got to kind of guess at what the was supposed to be there. And, you know, some of these words don't translate to modern English so well. Uh, you, you kind of got to pick and choose how you're going to translate certain words or phrases. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I, those, I, th these are not obviously the only three translations that I've read, but these, I, 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 I love them all for different reasons. And I don't know that I have one that I like more than the other two. Yeah, I understand. I, I, I could read Tolkien's anytime, even if I would prefer Haney's. So, yeah. Uh, so Jody and I have read, well, okay. So I've read Tolkien and, and Haney's very recently. And Jody's read all three of them with mm -hmm. uh, Headley's being the recent one, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and I took some notes sort of side by side because I'd read a section of Haney's, then I'd read it in Tolkien. And I'd read a section, you know, I'd keep going back and forth so I could do a better comparison, but it's, right. they're both good. I just, there are certain notes I made because they're just things that I thought were really cool. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's a comparison. Sometimes it's just like, Hey, Haney wrote this and this is cool. Or all oh, Tolkien said this word and that's awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, so I'll, I'll jump in and, and Jody will, as always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my first part was up to Beowulf actually meeting the King. So of course what happens in the story is Beowulf hears about a King in another country. Uh-huh having issues in his meat hall and he's like yeah i'm gonna go help so yeah. loads up the boat and <laughs> off he goes <laughs> yep then takes his loyal uh, retainers and and uh his his, his, his band of brothers <laughs> if yeah. you will uh the, the warriors from his his people sorry they loaded up the truck and they moved to beverly oh sorry wrong thing yeah but yeah <laughs> Takes all of his, uh, yeah. When we get toward the end, I, I 
do want to talk about Tolkien's short story based off of Beowulf too, because there's some really cool things there. But that, like, ah, well, I, I have I have a couple of things like that to talk about as well. So. <laughs> um, but let's see. So my little things up here. So in Haney, uh, I love because of Cain's children, uh, mm-hmm. because when we meet the Grendel, the monster, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, yeah, because I got some things to say about that too. <laughs> <laughs> I got some things to say. So he sounded like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a uh, Cain's children. It actually says includes ogres, elves, giants, and evil phantoms, and which is just kind of cool. And, and he uses the term wassail, which I, I love because it, you know when so in Anglo-Saxon culture, you you may greet somebody with wassail, which means uh-huh. good health. But then the response is drink hail as you give you know take the drink of meat or or whatever you may have and. And then anytime you, and it was sailing, of course, is the act of going around and singing. In fact, sometimes specifically going into the orchard and singing to the apple trees and giving them some of the last year's cider to make them grow strong. And I just love that whole sailing stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so they use the term killer of souls might come to their aid. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in both. And it's obvious that there are Christian additions to what was originally an Anglo-Saxon story. Yeah. So keep that in mind that this is a pagan story written what we have by Christian, well, probably monks is probably where we got it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like pagan kings with Christian monsters. And some of the words uh, Haney uses, swan's road, which means by water or sea, mm-hmm. word hoard for good speech. Well, and s- some of these are kinnings, like whale road is a kinning that means the, the ocean or the sea yeah you want to explain kinning well that's it's um i we usually typically think of it with norse poetry the the whole viking age thing so <laughs> yeah well it's like a it's a compound expression right where they yeah mash up yeah words more or less yeah yeah but it's it's um it's it's a poetic description of something basically is is the way i kind of think of it and you know like i said whale road and instead of it's, it's you, know, you you white you ride the whale road instead of you sail the sea. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Let's see, so Wolf, Wolfgar is the door warden and herald for Hrothgar, which is cool. If anybody has ever read the Salvatore Dark Elf Dritz series, Wolfgar yeah. is the barbarian in the the in the gaming group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, but the, when Wolfgar goes, or Wolfgar, sorry, still see that when Beowulf goes and, and goes up to the door, they, he is let in a little bit easier because the king knew Beowulf's father and mm-hmm. Beowulf has a child, which which does help. So there's yeah, that, that nice aspect of being known mm-hmm. in a good way. Other than that, I think I've got one note from Tolkien. It says, here, Beowulf is the knight of his uncle, uh, H- Hegelic. I, I may be mispronouncing that. Whereas Seamus calls him a thane. So that's a difference I noted and I actually like Thane better because knight in old English would have been a young man which still might fit but yeah. but Thane seemed more appropriate to me but either either way yeah <laughs> <laughs> I I I don't I actually don't like using the term knight because that's isn't that French uh no no it's um I, I think there's some 
combination in there where the spelling may end up have been there but okay old, old english before all the normans came actually they used the term knight but they were they were young men okay in the household uh and, and it ended up being where they would end up becoming warrior you know so it became a knight like a fighter warrior type of person yeah but no they yeah, had the old english used it well before okay well before william the bastard or the normans or anybody okay cool uh the next part's the meeting of the king to the killing of Grendel was sort of the next two sections I read side by side. Okay, that's fine. And since the last time I read this, when I was in college, other than the basic outline, because it had been many years between reading it in college and then then these two, uh, I've, I've learned more about the culture in England and the, the fact that the king had helped Beowulf's father by ending a feud with another group that the, they were, the, that the father had started, more or less. It does help, and then Beowulf there's there's sort of a fealty and an honor bound thing to come back and help which is sort of telling us to why beowulf wanted to come over and help it wasn't just for renown and glory although certainly doesn't hurt but right he could help beowulf's father now it's beowulf's turn to help him in return yeah yeah because his his father was dead his uncle was on the throne in 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 their own kingdom yeah yeah and other than that, uh, I've got I've got a note from Tolkien. Uh, Unferth is uh, the uh, blacksmith. Uh, actually, kind of seems kind of like a Grima worm tongue person too, because he's an asshole. Yeah, who speaks trash. And actually, Tolkien says Unferth spake a spell of strife, as if he's actually casting some sort of spell type of thing, where he's trying to cause issues with the king and, and Beowulf and. Mm-hmm. But I, and I do want to say I like Tolkien's use of ogre over Haney's monster when they talk about the being that comes in and kills everybody. Yeah. And, and then I've got a note in here about what an Etten is. It's a giant from Old English literature from Proto-West Germanic Eton with Gold Nose <laughs> Jotun. <laughs> but anyway, um, but then after the fight, so when this time Beowulf gets pissed off at Unferth, mm-hmm. kind of kicks his ass. And after the fight, Haney says, Unferth spoke less, but Tolkien says, son of Ekfles, and and I'm kind of digging some of these things and how they're used because one of the things I don't like about Beowulf is it is hard as fuck for me to sometimes keep all the damn names. It, it is, yeah. I mean, you know, John, Jim, James. Yeah, those are a lot Jacob. easier. Yeah, well, then it's not that they're easier for somebody who doesn't speak English, but I get that. Mm-hmm. The Anglo-Saxons would have understood all these damn names, but <laughs> nope, <laughs> not, not me. I don't really have a lot on the fight. I don't want to give much on that because they were similar between the two, other than Tolkien's being more prose, more saga mm-hmm. and Haney's being poetic. But, you know, Beowulf kicks the, the, the monster that comes in, the ogre, the monster, the fell beast is Grendel, this big mm-hmm. old hairy long talon thing and comes in and kills every you know it's beowulf kicks his ass rips his damn arm off <laughs> it, it sucks grindel got one of beowulf's companions first but mm-hmm. beowulf kicked his ass in. and it's just good i, I don't know like you know if you want to read something if you can but this is one of the the things that i was going to kind of let go because it's one of the best the, if, if this is interesting at all to our listeners the fight scene will be even better yeah so i don't know if you had anything about his fight with grindel before we move on to the um i do not 
Cool. So, so yeah, uh, after Beowulf, well, he doesn't technically kill Grendel. Grendel does get away, but they know that Grendel's going to die because he lost his arm and was bleeding all over the place. Yep. Uh, so after the killing, they they realize that the the mother, you know, it describes it. So she comes back and kicks ass, right? Uh huh. And and that's kind of gory, and she's just as nasty, if not worse, than Grendel. So uh, that she actually comes in and kills one of the king's main, no well, biggest friends and longest mm-hmm. companions. Uh, I, I, I'm going to mispronounce that, Asher. Yeah. Uh, but they so they realize they're going to have to take care of that too, and Beowulf says no. Nah, I've helped you this much. King says, are you sure? Because I'd like you to, but I can't force you. And Beowulf's, no, nah, no, nah, I, I, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> and so they go and they 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 actually have Unferth, the asshole, is doing much better now. Mm-hmm. And does lead uh, Beowulf to the, the fin, the, the deep pool where her lair is. The dam, they, they go to the Just... dam's fin lair <laughs> and uh, they, they find Asher's head. So, so they know they're on the right path. And it here's where I kind of like it because Haney is much more poetic in this area because of all the songs, sagas, ballads that he's used to doing. And, and I, I've got a little note here. He must have had some of Odin's meat of poetry. <laughs> and he, he also uses the term, Haney does, beyond the pale a few times. And that's definitely an Irish thing. Yeah. Meaning, of course, that. You know, the beyond the pale is when the Normans, the English came over and well, were basically taking over Ireland around Dublin was their main area beyond the pale meant out where the Irish still lived were because they were, well, kind of animals. They didn't consider them overly human. So anyway, another thing Haney uses, he uses the term Brian, like the Brian laws from mm-hmm. Ireland, which is cool. Uh, and Unferth here, again, unlike Wormtongue, who's a bastard all the way through, Mm-hmm. Uh, Unferth actually lends Beowulf his sword hunting uh, mm-hmm. a very famous sword because he knew he was not brave enough to go into the fin but hunting's a very strong sword and Beowulf in turn gave him his own sword in return for the honor mm-hmm. not, not return from the battle with, with Grendel's mother I love this another one of the kinnings he uses the term Tarnhag because Tarn is a small mountain lake uh, sadly hunting though does fail but with the grace of god <laughs> he, well if 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 uh what's his face it actually sharpened the damn thing well <laughs> see and that's um i don't remember that being in haney's that he he didn't it could have been i don't know that's that that's kind of the way that headley translates it is the the, the sword's kind of not sharp enough for <laughs> what, what beowulf needs Ah, see, I don't remember that being in there. I just knew it wasn't good enough because it was more man-made, and he had to find another sword. Yeah, well, I, I think I think that's probably more of what it was. It just yeah, because even here they they found another sword from the age of giants, so mm-hmm. large that only he could wield it. <laughs> even the writers yeah. back in the day were like, "Yeah, the past is better." <laughs> hey. Well, Beowulf wins. Mm-hmm. Won't get into many details. I'll let Jody either do that or read this because it's another good good thing but you know beowulf does win and it's uh well here i actually i'm going to go into something else here so this may be a good good time other than tolkien using demons instead of dragons in the lake so there's a difference yeah and he said the new sword had charms of victory so here's more spell casting types of things Mm -hmm. oh and i've got to note that um beowulf told them to wait until the black 
Ribbon Black announced with merry heart the heavens gladness, which means the cock crowed and Beowulf's people were glad. It's, it's that they, they use that old folklore thing that we've talked about with the cock crowing mm-hmm. and taking away the monsters. I won't get into all the 12s here because there were 12 treasures, 12 apostles, 12 in Catholicism. Numerology also means authority and perfection. There's some numerology in here too that Tolkien uses being yeah, yeah. Catholic. So going back a little bit on Grendel's mother. So the, the way the way that people have translated descriptions of her through throughout, you know, the ages. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, Tolkien's translation calls her an ogress or an inhuman troll wife. Haney, monstrous hell bride, swamp thing from hell. But Headley, Headley makes a point in her introduction that the word or, or words that get translated that way that are referring to Grendel's mother um, in, in the old English or in the Anglo-Saxon are, um, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but Eglick wife or Eglickwif, I'm guessing it's wife, but, yeah. um, and, and it gets translated, you know, a wretch or a monster of a woman, but it's, you know, she points out that it's merely the feminine form of Eglica, which means hero when that same word is applied to Beowulf. Huh. Are you saying that maybe the monks of the Middle Ages were harshing on women? Um, it could be because, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, she goes on to say, Eglica is used elsewhere in early English to refer both to Sigmund and to the venerable bead. And in those contexts, it's likelier to mean something akin to formidable. Fair enough, as we talked about, multiple yeah, meanings. Yeah, she was yeah. more formidable than even Grendel. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, multiple meanings to old English words after all, you know, like we were saying. And, and then she, she also goes on to say, Grendel's mother is referred to in the poem as Idas Eglikwa. With or Eglick wife, which means given this logic, formidable noblewoman. Wow, cool. And she points out that technically, even though it's under this lake, that's her kingdom. She rules there. <laughs> well, that is true. She actually commands monsters down there too that Beowulf yeah. had to fight his way through before he could even get to her. Yeah. Even though she didn't start translating that, that actually played into the book that she wrote that led to her actually translating Beowulf. But we'll talk about that later. Cool. <laughs> so I just I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, that, that's good. That that I and and I I don't know that she's actually the first one to put that spin on Grendel's mother. That is why uh, some of her stuff's being uh, looked at now. Is, is because, you know, in kind of more modern context, it, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, a new way of looking at it. But I will say this, actually in her translation of Beowulf, she does go with, with the, more trans, uh, the, the more traditional way of translating Grendel's mother to actually, you know, be a little more monstrous than the way she says these words could have been translated. Nice. Yeah. You said the magic word too. Yes, I did. And there's my drink for context. <laughs> I had one as well. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. See, I love all these different translations. You get different mm-hmm. ways of looking at it. 
and they all still sort of point to the same, yeah. the same story. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready to move on to where Beowulf returns home. Sure, yeah. Gives the tale to his king. So, I mean, there's more in here. Uh, Beowulf goes back to the um, Hrothgar and, and everybody's happy and, and, and gifts are given and rings are given because Anglo-Saxon rings are, you know, the king's the giver of rings. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's very meaningful. If you want to know some Anglo-Saxon honor culture, it's a, it's a very good story to read. Yes. Yeah. And, and they may not all be, you know, rings that we think of in the traditional sense. Some of those may be like armbands or, or arm rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, actually, I thought typically that was at the time more often than a finger. I, I thought I, I, th- I think I think it was. But I, you know, I also think it could be either or. Yeah, well, and having rings on your finger is a good way to get a finger ripped off while you're in the middle of battle. True. <laughs> so, that's true. So, yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Thank you, my good man. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you deserve a drink for that, but I'm going to take it for you. Okay. All right. So uh, Beowulf returns home, uh, gives a tell to his king. And, and within this story, Beowulf, there are stories within the stories. Yeah. So all of a sudden you'll come up and you'll be like, what the hell's going on? But it's a story. Someone in the story is relating history and or current events mm-hmm. with advice woven in. Yeah. Uh, for example, a queen should be courteous no matter how beautiful she is. Like you can't just get by on your looks. You also have to be polite. Mm-hmm. An example, of course, of how women should behave. But there are also advice in there about how men are to behave. It's Yeah. Either there is a difference in them, but this was also hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So <laughs> we we'll just have to understand gender differences at the time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, I've got a few notes. Uh, Haney uses the term heaven's gem for sun. <laughs> well, yeah, see, a, a kenning. kenning and, uh, just so poetic. And here is where you find out Beowulf's own mead hall, his own country, his uncle, the king, uh-huh. instead of King Hartgar that he went to help. They all actually thought him weak, although much loved. And he came back with all of his gifts and gave all those gifts to his own king and was rewarded in turn. And everybody's like, shit, Beowulf kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> and other than that, for this little section, before I get to uh, the next piece, mm-hmm. is I learned the word portrieve <laughs> from uh-huh. Tolkien's. It's just a word that means port warden and used in England and Wales back in the day. Ah, okay. And, uh, and Tolkien used the term troll wife, which ah. is the kidding, a compound word that yeah, kind of kicks ass. But they both in this section, both versions give great descriptions of a hospitable mead hall about frivolity and stories and how the mead is poured. And mm-hmm. yeah, awesome stuff. Um, that's what I have for that until we get to the point where Beowulf becomes the king. Okay. So yeah, uh, Beowulf becomes king because his uncle, of course, dies. That's that's you know in there, and mm-hmm. uh, after battle deaths of his kinsmen and and everything, he rules for fifty years. Mm-hmm. But then a thief. This may sound familiar. <laughs> so, uh huh. A thief steals a dragon's gem crested goblet, awakening the dragon. Yeah, I bet the listeners did not know that the Hobbit was based on Beowulf. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it is very much based on Beowulf. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, uh, and, well because I, I, I'm trying to remember when when did he publish The Hobbit? 38? 38? 38? 38? Yeah. 
So it was about 10 years, 12 years after he had finished the Beowulf translation. But, but he was still, I mean, he was teaching Anglo-Saxon, so he was teaching Beowulf. <laughs> right, yeah. According to Haney, dragons have to wait for sundown, and that's a, a little different from all the dragon lore that I, I know. And Yeah, I, I don't... Um... I don't remember. I I remember in Headley's translation, she makes a point of the dragon doesn't come out until after sundown, but I don't think it's required. I think it was more the the dragon, and and she also refers to the dragon as she, huh, which neat. is different. But uh, I think I think it was more of a uh, tactical thing by the dragon in in her translation. See, and I could see that because. Dragon can probably see better than men at night, but yeah, he made it sound like it had to wait. I mean, I've got a question mark after it says dragons have to wait for sundown, but I think that's me being more what I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but that that goes back to what we've said, going back all the way to some of the first episodes we did for the podcast. Of it just depends on who's translating the work. Yeah, he, I, you know, it, it, it's in this case, it may be that Haney just made a decision that. Uh, you know, dragon's kind of a supernatural being. Well, and Grendel and Grendel's mother waited until dark, you know, so maybe he's kind of applying that to the dragon. And, yeah, you know, be. all supernatural beings have to wait until dark. And I there's mean, a very famous Irish tale. Uh, so the in old Irish tales, they don't have dragons, they have cats. And by cats, I mean big, vicious motherfucking cats that would par up with a, a dragon. Um, but there, there are tales where the heroes would go and do their thing and the cats would come out at night. So, you know, Haney may be using some of his old Irish folklore, too. Oh, that could be. Could be. See, then that's why that's why all these translations are awesome. If there's one translation, we wouldn't have to do this podcast episode. We'd just be like, hey, there's one translation. Go read it. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you could still talk about it, but it would suck compared to what this is. Yes. But yeah, this whole section. So, again, I, I know I keep using these kinnings. Uh, I, I've heard that word before, but I never remember it. So thank you again, my good sir. <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, the Beowulf wrecked the Frisian Lord's bone house, his his body. It's a bone yeah. house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my God, that's, I wrote with his bare hands, but I misspelled bears and not bare hands, but in bare <laughs> hands. But when we talk about <laughs> the short story that also is in Tolkien's, that Maybe apropos. <laughs> well, I, and I, I think I think there have been some people that, that over the years have tried to translate the name Beowulf to include the word bear. I don't think it's supposed to, but uh, I don't either. Yeah, I, there there have been some people that have tried to say that's that's what the Beow part was was, you know. Nah, but yeah, this is cool. So they, you know, he goes out to meet the dragon. He's got to mm -hmm. kick the dragon's ass, or the dragon's going to kill his country his kingdom and uh, you know he tells all of his people to chill but wiglaf a young warrior yeah. comes to his king's aid mm -hmm. beowulf's doing okay but he's kind of getting his ass handed to him also and and here we have this young man showing honor culture yes My king's in trouble and after after and and this is a big point all the other warriors that rode out with them turned tail and fled they ran yeah they kind of ran to the forest line right so they could see what's going on but they were far away yeah but yeah wiglaf's like you cowards and goes to his king's aid and strikes the dragon's underbelly 
which mm-hmm. you, <laughs> sounds familiar from The Hobbit. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, because Beowulf's actual sword had snapped from Beowulf's own strength. Mm-hmm. So Beowulf made the killing blow with the, just a knife right into the dragon's flank. Yep. After the dragon's third attack, three being a thing in, in well, yes. lots of cultures. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's funny because he even foreshadowed this. Ooh, foreshadowing. Yep. Uh, by saying he had preferred to attack the dragon with hand. That's what he had done with Grendel. Yeah. And kind of what he had done with Grendel's mother. At least until he saw the other sword. Yeah, and he's holding his own, but he needed the sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beowulf requests that they build him a barrow on the coast to threaten their enemies in his memory. Yeah. Because the fight with the dragon kills him. Hence, my answer in high school senior English, he wanted a warrior's death. <laughs> <laughs> he's protecting his kingdom. He's an old man, and he knows, yep, this is the way to go out. Yeah, I mean, he... he and that's the thing he's he's old he knows his time is coming and if he can die defending his people in battle heroically there is no better way for him to go out so in the same section is tolkien uh, and stone barrow where the dragon lives and god i love that term barrow (laughs) that's cool but and he uses the term a little known path to men it's so fucking hobbit like (laughs) Mm-hmm. The spells upon the horde, which is actually more upfront with Tolkien and Haney, goes into it more after Beowulf's death. But you know, Tolkien's all upfront about it. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, yeah, and there's a, there's a good bit of history after Beowulf's death. Yeah, what happens to the Geats and uh, his kingdom and all that? And yeah, man, I tell you, there. Uh, and Tolkien actually gives the the time thirty uh, thirty three hundred winners. The dragon was there, so. Mm-hmm. You know, been there a while. Uh, Tolkien says the barrow and the gold were the works of giants. And Haney later says after the death that it was from an ancient race. Whatever that might mean, Tolkien actually says giants. And Headley kind of says that they, they've, who, whoever put it there, nobody knew who it was. She doesn't really go into, you know, ancient race or giants or anything like that. Just whoever put it there, they were forgotten. Which matches up more with ancient race. Yeah. Because, you know, it's been there 300 years and nobody remembers more than giants. But mm-hmm. and there's the OK, so here's some history. The the Brits, the uh, English, after the Romans got the fuck out, you know, not because they were kicked out, but because shit was going on in their empire. Yeah. They, they left all of their stonework and everything. And and the Anglo-Saxons, when they came over, could not replicate that at first. And they wouldn't even go to London sometimes because they thought it was the abodes of giants. So. Now that may, maybe yeah. that's why Tolkien's using that because in the English frame of mind, giants actually were the precursors to men in a lot of places. That's the magic. Ah. Ooh, it's amazing when you get older because you've read even more and more. All these things start to go like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, they start making sense. There were 11 companions plus the thief because they made him go so they could show he could show him where it was. And <laughs> Beowulf, so that's Jesus and the twelve apostles, where the thief would sort of be like Judas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, there's there's a and I'm not saying it's Tolkien Catholicism, it could have been the monks Catholicism. Right, but there's there's um <laughs> there's Thorin and company too. And that <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no, here we go. Here's the difference. 
sprinkled him with water. Tolkien says sprinkled because Wiglaf was easing Beowulf's wound as Beowulf lies dying. Mm -hmm. And Haney says bathed. And to my modern ear, that sounds different. Like to me, sprinkle means just like sort of letting it sort of drop and sprinkle upon him or bathe would be more like letting it pour down him. So Headley, the way she translated that, um, uh, Wiglaf uh, hand washed his king's wounds was the way she translated it. All right. So that's more like Haney's bathed rather yeah. than sprinkled. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe back in the day, the Anglo-Saxons, if they would have said sprinkling, they would have known what, yeah, see it's, but that's, but that her, hers makes the most sense to me with bathe being close to that. And then, yeah. So Jody and I, of course, have mentioned D&D and gaming and, and then all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Do you know of any dragon other than in Beowulf and uh, the Norse sagas where the it's not just the bite, but the blood is poison? Like, it's generally not a thing, is it, anywhere else? Not that I can think of. All right. I, I mean, it could be, I guess, but I can't think of anything. See, I can't either. I could, yeah, this one and... Um, Fafnir, isn't it? Fafnir, thank you. Yeah. Which I guess is technically human, right? <laughs> he was turned um, into a dragon from his greed. <laughs> I think so, yeah. And this was is, a human or a dwarf? No, think- the, the gold was cursed by the dwarves because it was stolen from them. Right. So it was a human and yeah. It was a human, yeah. He, he stole it from the dwarves and they cursed it and that's, yeah. Anyway. Uh, but that's what I have on this section. Then I've got some things on. Uh, oh wait, no, I've. Oh no, no. After Beowulf's passing, it's, it was right after. Mm-hmm. But then that's kind of where I stopped. Uh, do you want me to just keep going? Yeah. All right. So uh, here, after Beowulf's passing, in both, Wiglaf reprimands his companions, and, yeah, um, like harshly. And uh, and Tolkien represented this in The Hobbit. But I want to say that in D and D and Dragonlance also, uh, which is. D&D. Yeah. That that means that Wiglaf's companions failed the dragon terror saving throw, but Wiglaf did not. <laughs> there you go. You, you can see where gaming things are taken from actual stories. Yeah, they are. So so Hadley, um, the young warrior had words for them, though. Terse words for the cowards who'd abandoned their king. Wiglaf, Weoston's son, spat severity at the soldiers he'd found wanting. Anyone with half a brain's well aware that this king treated us like princes, giving us gifts, the gear that guards us even now. He opened his arms, offered all who stood in his meat hall armor, helmets, mail shirts, treasures. He treated us, his thanes, like sons, gave us the glories he'd won. But hey, I guess he had no judgment. He threw those gifts away. What a fucking waste. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's cool because I can see certain academics being you shouldn't be using those words no you don't think beowulf and wiglaf and all those motherfucking anglo-saxon norse viking they would have used the equivalent yeah (laughs) they would have and they did i mean come on yeah these were warriors and marauders and fighters and they weren't they weren't going now watch your language (laughs) pardon my french but yeah (laughs) shit hell if you weren't cussing they'd be like What's up with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was, what's, what's, what was the joke? Um, the guy said, uh, every time his dad 
would go to cuss, he'd say, pardon my French first. And so, so, so there I am in grade school and the teacher asks if anybody knows a foreign language and I'd immediately raise my hand. <laughs> oh. uh, my grandmother used to use that phrase, but she didn't really say anything bad. <laughs> Well, what you consider bad, no. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but that—that that is a kick-ass. I, I, I like that. Train. I'm going to have to read Headley's book. I told you. <laughs> you did. You did. Well, let me give my final thoughts, but then I know you'll probably have final thoughts. But then, yeah, I, I had a couple of things I wanted to mention after. Yeah, yeah, because we've got other like adaptations. So these are basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we're not almost done. <laughs> <laughs> my final thoughts are my final thoughts that are the final thoughts on the Beowulf. Okay. So gold is not everything. Honor and family are as or more important. Yes. Because most companions did not help, thus did their king fall. And because of this, they shall lose their lands because the invaders without Beowulf are now going to come and kick your asses. Mm -hmm. Some are going to come for land and battle, some for vengeance. And that vengeance may have been from the other side's revenge as well, like an everlasting spiral of retaliation. Yeah. And and that that that's in, in the introduction to Headley's translation, she actually brings up the blood feud quite a bit and applies it to why she came after after they killed or after Grendel dies. That's why she comes and attacks them herself. It's the blood feud. Yeah, you killed my son. Yeah. Even though, you know, he was eating people and, as she put it, um, carrying them home in a, in a, in a doggy bag. This <laughs> <laughs> is taking a drink, you bastard. The, my, my desk almost became a mead hall, literally. <laughs> uh, There's a note that the horde may have been there a thousand years, like 700 before the dragon even made it there. Yeah. Uh, hinting that this is the time where man killed the monsters and there's a a theory that Hercules, Heracles, uh, in the mm -hmm. Roman and Greek myths, because he killed like a shit ton of monsters. Yeah. Heracles and Perseus and that. And that is sort of the historian's way of marking their prehistory to actual history, because there were monsters, but we have these heroes and they killed them. And now, yeah. it's, now it's mostly humans, but these things did happen in the past. Yeah. And, and this sort of feels like this way here. It's, uh, you know, Beowulf went and killed Grendel and the mom and the dragon now and now it's now it's the age of man mm -hmm. the age of man is over uh, it's not mother <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah other than that what's my next note it says oh because they wanted to get rid of the dragon i wrote fuck off dragon and hurled the scaly bastard off the cliff into the sea <laughs> <laughs> actually probably fits in more with headley's <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'd be about how she translated it all right, and they, they put a lot of gold on Beowulf's pyre because gold was sought to show accomplishments, not mm -hmm. to hoard it for its own sake. And are you ready for this? Yes. Just like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could spin this quarter on a sarsaparilla, but the story of what happened today is more meaningful miss, <laughs> for me. And when mm -hmm. I see this quarter. <laughs> so don't be a dickish one percenter where you hoard things just because you want wealth. Right. Now, you're not holding on to all your stocks and bonds and your cash because there's a story to tell. No, you're an asshole. Mm -hmm. 
being great is all the more better for being kind. You're a ring giver, free with your wealth to your people, and then you can still be better off than everybody else, but everybody loves and respects you and makes your kingdom better. Yes. I, um, I you know, I wish I had thought about this. I, uh, of course, my, my copy of The Hobbit's in a different room. Um, Thorin's dying words to Bilbo about how, you know, maybe if more people uh, treasured, you know, hearth and home and, 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 and friendship more than gold, the world would be a better place. I mean, that's paraphrasing it because I don't remember exactly what it was he said, but it's close. Yeah. And I, and I just, I, I love that line. I love that line. That's, and the older I get, you think I'd be more greedy because I'm needing to retire sometimes. No, I'm more down with the hobbits point of view now. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to read the last four lines out of uh, Headley's translation. Cool. I, I think that was it for me, other than mentioning that there were uh, Giddish women doing a, a dirge and that sounded band like sort of out of banshees type of thing. But yeah, uh, that's all I had until we, we kind of. Okay. Oh, or, well, I can, I can, actually, I can, I can read the, uh, the, the full stanza here, not just the last four lines. Yeah, good. Cause I had a few things. Uh, who's a buy? Which one are you reading? Headley. This is Headley's. Oh, okay. Do you, uh, so I did want to read a snippet of, of Tolkien's just to give you yeah. uh, the listeners an idea of the, the saga-ish mm-hmm. type of thing. Do you want to go first or would you like me to? Which would um, you like to end on? I'm good either way. Yeah, dude. Go ahead and do Tolkien's first. Okay. And this is towards the end where Beowulf's going towards the dragon. Mm-hmm. Soon did the dragon bestir himself that swiftly upon the trespasser dire terror fell. Yet nonetheless, so fated one, when the sudden danger came on him, he saw a treasure chest. There was in that house of earth many of such olden treasures as someone, I know not who, among men in days of yore had their prudently concealed, jewels of price and mighty heirlooms of a noble race, all of them death had taken in times before, and now he too alone of the proven warriors of his people, who longest walked the earth watching, grieving for his friends, hoped but for the same fate that he might only a little space enjoy those long hoarded things. A borrow already waited upon the earth nigh to the watery waves, now made upon a headland secured by binding spells. Therein did the keeper of the rings laid a portion right worthy to be treasured of the wealth of noble men, a plate of gold. And that, that's good. I could keep going, but that's, yeah, that is that powerful. They <laughs> Odin, <laughs> right forth, Erlingus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the, yeah, the last, uh, the last stanza in, in Headley's translation, of course, this is, um, they, they've buried Maywolf in, in his, in his barrow and, and all that. She, uh, it says, uh, 12 Thanes, battle-tested sons of worthy men, took themselves to horseback and coursed around the tomb, weeping, ringing the old songs from their tongues, dirge chanting, telling the legend of Beowulf, their king, his courage, his fury, his wars. They did all this grieving the way men do. But bro, no man knows, not me, not you, how to get to goodbye. His guys tried. They remembered the right words. Our king, lonely ring wielder, inheritor of everything. He was our man, but every man dies. Here he is now. Here our best boy lies. He rode hard. He stayed thirsty. He was the man. He was the man. That's so damn cool. I know. <laughs> I actually, I had to mic my mute my mic for a second when you went bro again because I about died laughing. 
I was actually waiting for you to laugh. I know, so, so I did, but I had muted it because I didn't want to interrupt your reading. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad she uses bro and not bra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of am too. But <laughs> that's, I mean, she's giving a, it's, it's a translation, but it's yeah. a modern, not from Tolkien's 19. 40s 50s and not haney's 60s 70s i forget when he did his but yeah yeah 2010s <laughs> that's that's the last on beowulf itself i've got oh shit huh seamus haney's was worked on um throughout the 90s it was published in 1999 <laughs> 99 yeah i was gonna say i was, I was thinking i had seen that in her introduction because she she gave the years on those two but i mean it's a difference like haney's a little more old school but he's poetic he probably did it he added the irish he did his retelling and she did hers yeah yeah so the, the saga of beowulf is not super long as we've mentioned for some of the the pages in the books but our our episode is going quite long <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said no wait <laughs> No, no, no. That, that's what she said. <laughs> okay. She, she didn't she, say she was enjoying it, but she did say it was going on longer than she would like. <laughs> oh, but, look, a bird. <laughs> a baby wolf. <laughs> Actually, no, there's a bird in the front yard. Uh, but oh. Yeah, a baby, a baby wolf, yes. Um, uh, that's a tangent. Yes, it's already long. <clears throat> so let's... That's, so we we have finished discussing the book, but as Jody mentioned at the beginning, or maybe he told me that before we started recording, whatever, you'll you'll see. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been so long I can't remember, but he did say he has adaptations he would like to discuss, and 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 so do I. Yeah. That can wait for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. You didn't think we could get two out of this, did you? <laughs> ha! You were wrong. <laughs> so were we <laughs> yeah that was us how long can this take <laughs> shouldn't be that long <laughs> that's what Grindel's mother said <laughs> she was right <laughs> yeah. yes so that that is the book aspects of it and the differences between Seamus and John Ronald and, uh, and, and and Maria. Maria, thank you. I, yeah. Last name was fine. Could not think of the first name to save my life, even though you <laughs> literally said it minutes ago. <laughs> yes. So yes, join us again soon. Same Beowulf time, same Beowulf <laughs> channel. Yeah. <laughs> what James said. <laughs> not the hero you want. I'm the hero you need. <laughs> or the hero you're going to get. <laughs> All right, I'm done. That's perfect. I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Jody's entering the room. How Haney did his and his, like, how, like, I, yeah, I've just got stuff and then I, wow, that made no sense. So. <laughs> <laughs> If it's Python, I was going to have a GNT. <laughs> ah, well, that would make sense. Okay. Um, ooh, I've got something. 
if if you if you want to start or if you have something i'll happily start because mine's dumb <laughs> um I, no i'll, I'll start I, Alrighty then <laughs> <laughs> i must touch you i'm only made of plastic but if i can touch you the flesh will be mine ah <laughs> uh, no <laughs> And at the, the beginning, we, there's a Christmas one, and it shows a snowman getting hit in the face with a snowball, and he kind of licks it off and then grabs a snowball and throws it at the other snowman. And uh-huh. I look at my wife, and I said, well, that would be like humans throwing people meat at each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me, and she told me I'm not allowed to talk for a few minutes. <laughs> so, the spirit aids. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. In the old days, everyone knew what men were. <clears throat> yeah. We, we both were quiet for about three seconds, which is unusual. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That's... He delivered a package, so I had to kind of open the door. So you, you may have heard a little bit of that. <laughs> oh, actually, I did not, but I, but I opened the door so he could deliver his package. Is definitely going in the outtakes. <laughs> that's not what I said. <laughs> well, you look for that. I... By the way, the 2020 Eric the Blood X uh-huh. kicked ass. Nice. Here is the second bottle of my 11% braggot. <laughs> Pouring into the mic while Jody looks for something. And this is the new one. Let's see if there's a difference. <laughs> We've substituted Susan's coffee with Folgers. <laughs> <laughs> I got to let the head go. Oh, my God. Wow. Difference in scent. I will say that. Wow. There is a difference. Old Eric the Blood Axe aged really well. It's a little mm-hmm. deeper and more mead-like. The newer one is a little brighter, a little more sweet and hoppy, bitter. Okay. But as I was looking through the app that shall not be named, uh-huh. I didn't get to try it because they made it like forever ago. But brewery that put this out did one that was called Eric versus Eric versus Bathomay. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, damn it. It looks like it's sort of the same thing, but with cherry in it. 